podcast is brought to you in collaboration with Blue Moon Spiritual Wellbeing, who you all know that I'm a massive fan of. I had my first reading with Zosh in January 2019, and it was so accurate, and I've had really great readings since, and I know that a lot of my followers have too. We all talk about physical and mental health, but people don't talk enough about the importance of spiritual health and meditation, uh, which obviously is extremely important. I can't recommend Zosh at Blue Moon highly enough. She provides amazingly accurate cosmic guidance with her bespoke spiritual readings, natal charts, astrology, crystals, and meditation sessions, plus lots of magical content on her Instagram, which is at Blue Moon underscore spiritual. You can also find her website at www.bluemoonspiritual.com. Basically, she's the Mac Daddy of all things spiritual, and you need to follow her and book a reading. Hello and welcome to the La 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 Let Me Explain podcast. And I am super excited about this one because I have with me two of my amazing patrons, Chloe and Annie. I should have said Annie and Chloe. I always try and do it alphabetically so that no one feels like any more or less important than the other. You're both equally as important as each other. So if you don't know what a patron is, I have um, how I make my money is I uh, have a subscription service called Patreon. Patreon. It's a bit like Netflix. Uh, so if you enjoy my content on Instagram and you want to support it to keep on going, then you can sign up as a patron. And to make it worth their while, I try and do a few little things every now and then, like events and different things. And this is the first time that I have ever done this, which is have a patron podcast. And you two, you've got you like if this is completely shit, we're never going to do it again. So there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of pressure. <laughs> if it's amazing, then we'll be doing Patreon podcasts like once every six months. It's really great, actually. It's lovely to have an opportunity to meet you both. So nice. Agreed. And um, I just asked them how did they want to be introduced, and they were both a bit like, mm, "Yeah, no, don't." So I'm not going to sit here and give you like major information. But do you want to say anything about yourselves? Yeah, I'll go ahead. Um, so my name is Chloe. Um, I'm in my late twenties. I'm single. Um, work in the city, and um, oh, I'm really into rock climbing. You are, <laughs> and you're really good at cooking. Yes, and cooking is a big thing for me. Yeah, good, but like good healthy food. Yeah, exactly. Like diet, fitness, exercise, all of those things are are big on on my agenda for sure. Yeah, you're good on all of that. Like mm. at the moment, Chloe's been doing this. Um, like waking up at fucking like what four thirty? Yeah, going to the gym at five. Oh, I'm gonna unfollow you. It's really annoying. <laughs> every day but you know what the idea was it was meant to be a 30 day challenge and then I got to day 26 I actually did finish it but on day sometimes I have a meltdown about social media I get really anxious about it and I have to delete Instagram off my phone and so I had this horrible situation where I came off social media but I was so worried I was like everyone's gonna think that I failed the challenge (laughs) and I still was getting up at 5am and I just had to consider when not it'd be really sad to like out a statement of like by the way I was off Instagram <laughs> like for my 200 followers on my private account I'm sure nobody cares uh, but yeah that's the type of thing that I get up to it is it is it's good you're motivating it's mm-hmm. amazing 
And Annie, tell, tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, um, I'm a New Zealander that lives in London. I moved here last year. I work in the charity communication sector. Um, I do a bit of activist and campaigning with a group called Charity So White, and we're rooting out uh, racism in the charity sector. I am a DJ and a writer, and I love cooking and... Um, you know what, lockdown's been really great because I've just got to sleep a lot. But I am motivated by Chloe because I saw her do a handstand the other day and I tried to do one and it was so bad. I can teach you. You'll never be able to teach me. I tried to do a handstand once and my tits like stopped me from being able to breathe. I was literally suffocated by my own massive breasts. So just need a supportive that. sports bra on your even that. No, they like <laughs> literally can't breathe. So that's really interesting. So tell me a bit more about the charity. What's it called? Charity Charity So White. Charity and we've So just White. Just been shortlisted for an award um, for unheard voices in the sector which has been really cool it's about a year old and I only joined at the start of lockdown but it's been really really incredible and the group of people are amazing and it's very motivating to see that change can happen and we can fix the system and what is it about about making sure that charities aren't all so fucking white yeah pretty much I think like statistically there are tiny tiny numbers of BAME staff in charities and even then with lockdown Uh, the BAME staff have been the ones to be made redundant or furloughed first and all of this terrible stuff the representation on boards and trustees and the decision making which then leads to bad decisions and like white saviour behaviour and poor treatment and you know you've heard all things about massive international charities going into places and abusing people and being Mm. really really terrible so it's about making sure that the money and the cause is actually doing what it needs to do and obviously COVID's disproportionately affected minoritised communities purely because of the way the system is set up. So it's about making sure that the charity sector understands that instead of continuing these terrible archaic structures, we can actually do something to do good because it's a billion-dollar sector. Mm. That's really, really good. It's interesting. Thanks. Like I don't know if people have seen the Gerard Butler picture. Have you Ooh. seen that? Oh, my gosh. Oh. It just reminds me of all of those, like similar pictures I've seen on dating profiles oh, like how disappointing yes. it is when you're scrolling down like someone's hinge profile and you're like oh like this guy looks and I always think mm, they look a little bit posh which is a turn off for me yeah. but I'm like oh but it's cool they're doing exciting things and then like the last photo was just them posing with some little you know African children and it's just like ugh, immediate like mm, swipe no, left like gross. and you almost want to I wish sometimes you could send a message without mm, matching them yeah. just to be like <laughs> FYI the reason I didn't match you is because of that picture like educate yourself it's like absolutely. no white saviors on Instagram follow mm, them yeah jeez like, how are charities still getting that so wrong like how were there so many there must have been so many people around Gerard Butler when he was out doing that project mm. how you know it wouldn't just been him and those children there would have been a massive team there yeah how it was a publicity for his movie which is about <gasps> saving Africa oh my god <laughs> so it's even worse there's like, one where he's like holding out a bowl yeah, which almost it's like, it's a, like a bowl yeah, yeah to this little black girl and it's like what the fuck yeah. is this mm. gross but you know when people complain then you'll get like your average you know middle Englander that will say oh well what are you doing out there you know yeah. like oh but at least he's going out and helping them and it's like just such an overly simplistic view mm. and like Annie obviously you'll be able to <laughs> <review them laughs> much better than I can but um yeah that was awful 
But it's also, it's like Kensington and Chelsea, they pay the highest taxes and also the highest rates of deprivation in the country. It's like, you can do stuff at home. You don't have to do, you don't have to go overseas to like the continent of Africa because it's not a country, which is what most of these people Mm. treat it as. And do good like you don't yeah mm. like stacy dooley oh yeah <laughs> but also you wouldn't be allowed to take the photos with the kids no. right like if you were volunteering and you wouldn't even think to like that you mm. know is the obvious part but if you were to go and work with a charity in east london that was you know working with really mm. deprived vulnerable at-risk young people you would not be allowed to pose no. for a photo with them and post it on social media yeah. like, i mean they'd have to be consent there'd be a lot yeah. you, you would be allowed to if their parents said it was okay if they mm. said it was okay Okay, if, if there was, you mm. know, documents signed and whatever. Mm. But yeah, I mean, there's just something so gross about it, mm. isn't it? It's a really good point about the dating apps. Like, it's those pictures that put me off, the, mm. the white saviour pictures. Also, the fucking bit like that they've just killed a massive fish oh my or God. Yeah. stroking a tiger <laughs> or the drugs up tiger oh, yeah. it's, also it's an immediate swipe left yeah it's like did you not watch tiger king this year like yeah. <laughs> god was tiger king this year yes yeah how fucking crazy is that? hell feels like it's been part of my life forever I know. <laughs> I mean. she's going on american dancing with the stars is she yeah a murderer yeah on murder on the, the dance star. floor yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wow, you're quick. <laughs> you need to come back more often. Right, okay. We're going to do what we normally do, which is answer questions from followers who knew that you were coming in. And as a result, sent some fucking cracking questions. Probably the best podcast questions that I think I've ever received, actually. I mean, I've got loads. They, they weren't all brilliant. I had to whittle <laughs> them down. But um, but the ones that I did pick out, well I, I, well, I think they're really good. So the first one unusually is from a man and he says dating a girl that's been previously hurt what to do to go the extra mile i'm a guy <laughs> i love that a guy's yeah. ask first of all i love that guys follow you like mm. for one that immediately for me just like gives me a little bit of hope about mankind there's not that many there's yeah. not that many yeah, there's well, like five thousand of them and i think like four thousand of them are gay so but yeah so i see what you, i know what you mean mm. yeah so happy with that um so i have some thoughts on this if i can if i can jump in on it um so my immediate thought was obviously it's so great that he's asking so great that he's thinking about it but in reality like as somebody who has been through abusive relationships you know some really difficult times I don't like being treated differently for that reason Mm. like sometimes you know I can almost feel like guys are treating me like a wounded animal like Mm. a victim and you know like they have to tread on eggshells around me around certain topics like if they ever want to need to cancel a date or something you know like almost as if they're waiting for me to kick off and all of like the trauma to come out (laughs) and it just it's kind of uncomfortable um so I think that the main thing is like go the extra mile as you would for anyone that you're dating. Mm. If you like them a lot, you want to go the extra mile. Does it really matter that they've, they've been through a lot in the past? Um, in practical terms, I think consistency would be the biggest factor in reducing the anxiety of the person that you're dating. Like don't think that you have to do huge extravagant things because if you do that for the first month, then you can't keep it up long term. Mm. Like that's not going to feel good for the other person mm. either. Um, but just calling when you say you're going to, turning up when you say you're going to, like those are the things that I struggle with if somebody is not doing that when I'm dating them. Mm. Um, 
and my final thought on it um, <laughs> is that having clear boundaries is also really important. Like you obviously know that this girl has been through something like, so she's told you something about her past. We have very little information of how long they've been talking. Um, you know, you want to do a lot for her, but also you don't want to become somebody's therapist. Mm. And so make sure that you are keeping boundaries for yourself and for her. And it, that's just like going to build a really strong basis to your relationship. Yeah, mm. I completely agree. Yeah, um, I've got a few thoughts on this one too. I, <laughs> I, I love the fact that you kind of came prepared and organised. <laughs> I think you really need to just remove all expectations of how you think she should behave and you need to be prepared to be patient. Like the first step is, you know, asking for help, which is great. And he's done that. But this isn't a 12 step program. You're not just going to tick all of these boxes and all of a sudden she's going to be okay. And like her healing and trust is going to be so slow and completely dependent on whatever the hurt has been and whatever the scale of hurt has been. So you just need to help her to be comfortable but and, and you know let her heal and let her do that independently because mm. you don't want to become a crutch for her as mm. Chloe said mm. you know re- reassure her that you're here for her and that you're patient and you're willing to listen and that you're going to learn don't let her be afraid to voice her discomfort with you because a lot of people who are victims they don't know what the boundaries are and whether or not they can say they're uncomfortable because in the past that hasn't been an option so you know if she isn't in therapy as well you could potentially offer to pay for the likes of an a therapy app or a few sessions investigate whether she's got an employee assistance program or take her to the gp and see if they can offer therapy i know there's a massive wait list for the nhs but there's a few options there and that kind of constant reassurance and support outside of you will help her to heal and realize that you know, like you're there to help, not manipulate, and um, don't love bomb her. Please don't love bomb her. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, I hope that he's not that. So the fact that he is thinking about this is is a really great thing. Although I don't want to like set the bar really fucking mm. low and be that person mm. who's like, oh, well done, you're being kind and thoughtful. Like dude, mm. that's just fucking basic. Like yeah. that's yeah. you're supposed to be kind and thoughtful. Um, I also think you're probably not unless you're dating fifteen year olds. You're probably not going to meet a woman who hasn't been previously hurt Mm -hmm. or a man like you know i mean this is this is life and this is one of the things we have to accept when we're dating is that it often comes with hurt not every relationship is going to last forever and often it's hurtful when they end Mm. so so i don't like you said i don't think you should treat her like a special case or Mm. or treat her in a different way because of her previous trauma necessarily you should just be kind and compassionate in the way that you would be with any human even if you didn't know for definite what their hurt Mm. had been Mm -hmm. um so so yeah i don't think be like dramatically over the top about it don't Mm. treat her as her trauma Mm. um but yeah i I completely agree with what both of you are saying like acknowledge it ask her what she needs from Mm. you um and communication and consistency Mm. um and just be kind and if you feel at any point that you can't be kind i think one of the things that could come up for these people is that if he suddenly feels like he's not invested in this anymore he's lost interest he's got the ick or he's Mm. just not feeling it anymore he might feel like he's in a position like fuck like i can't get out of this because Mm. she's been hurt before Mm. what am i gonna do i'm gonna crush her if i'm you know if i end this so um so I actually think you need to really avoid that type of thing because that's very cruel to her if you stay mm. with her just because you can't bear to make her a victim again. And I say that like quote unquote. Mm. Um, so 
don't necessarily go the extra mile. Just be a good person and yeah. be real with her and communicate consistently with her, exactly as you said. Mm. Don't be flaky. Make sure she knows where she stands all the time. Mm-hmm. And if you feel that you can't give her what she needs anymore, kindly step out of that. Don't yeah. drag it on any longer than it needs to. Agreed. And I would say, like, don't make her trauma or what she has been through um, the thing that you connect on mm. um, because this is something that I've definitely done in the past um, how it usually goes down for me is won't be like relationship trauma it'll be sort of like family or like childhood mm. trauma and you meet someone else who's also had childhood trauma and you're like supporting each other and at first it feels so amazing <laughs> you're like oh my god mm. they understand what I've been through and I understand what they've been through and we have this connection and it's so intense and powerful it just feels amazing um, but then like there comes a point where that can become very toxic it always mm. has done for me so I would say think about like why are you actually interested in her like what things do you guys connect on like do you have hobbies in common or interests in common like make those the focus of your relationship um and not you know what she's been through and the fact that you're like the first good one afterwards mm. or whatever it might yeah be. Mm. that's really important not to kind of like think that you're this great savior like this good man you know what i mean like yeah. Yeah. supposed to be a good man like yeah. um I think the best part of being an adult is that <coughs> you can ask other people what they want and yeah. you can do that and you can listen to them. So just communicate. And I think that's a real issue. You've got all of these screenshots going around in group chats being like, what should I say? What do you think mm. I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. what do you think I should do here? And it's like, you know what? You could reply and say, what do you want me to do yeah. here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And But don't think that you're like, that she then owes you anything mm. because you've been this great guy. Yeah. Like, mm. yeah. I saw this quote and it said something, something along the lines of um, that abusive men paved the way for lazy men in relationships. Yes. Something along those lines, right? It was worded better than that. But the point of it is, is that then, you know, how many people or how many women realistically do you know who will like big up the guy that they're with because they're not abusive? And it's like the guy is actually like really lazy, like never helps with the kids. Like he doesn't really go the extra mile for her in any regard Mm. at any point. But just because he's not emotionally or anything else abusing Mm. her, that it's like, oh my God, I finally found a good one. Like, no, you haven't. And mm. so, yeah, exactly as you said, like you're not this incredible person because you're not abusive. Yeah. You're literally a normal man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dealing with a normal woman. Yeah. We think and hope. And yeah. so, you know, what what's special about your connection? Mm. And that should be the focus. Yeah, exactly that. We were t- I just did a podcast with Megan Murray's Lane and we were talking about the importance of romance actually and i think something that gets lost i mean i I, especially now post covid i'm not sure how people are handling this kind of thing but i think you can get into a bit of a stalemate in relationships you can get very used to just going back to each other's houses or whatever Mm -hmm. um and actually to make it you know that kind of it doesn't even have to be extravagant it doesn't have to be restaurants and flowers it can be that you picked a beautiful flower hopefully not illegally from someone's garden but you know like in a park or whatever (laughs) that you've arranged a really nice walk laid a picnic blanket down you know Mm. do nice stuff just Mm. and again not I'm doing this because she's been hurt before Mm. but just Mm. because like it's really important to make an effort in relationships Mm. um I don't think people do that enough now Mm. um although 
on Instagram you do see a lot of that kind of I've had a lot of that recently actually but mm. then like like I met a couple of guys of apps that would like do really nice romantic things and it just as the novelty has been mm. really nice um, but then it also makes me feel really bad when I'm actually not interested in them mm. afterwards <laughs> because you really doubt yourself like oh if they put me off by being too nice you really can second guess mm. yourself a lot um, but I don't think it is that I need a guy who I'm really into who also does the nice romantic things yeah. I do also wonder like are they doing it because they saw it on Instagram or are they doing it because they genuinely think I like this like yeah. if I've if you know that I'm I've got severe hay fever and springtime is not a good time for me don't plan a picnic outside for me like, yeah. that's not a good date for us like have you considered what she actually wants are yeah. you doing it because your mates did it and her missus is, and his missus is really hot like what's yeah. the point I have a really okay to me this is funny um there's a guy who I met on the apps um a couple of months ago now a few weeks ago um we've kind of just become more friends than anything mm. else but like I think that he is hilarious and he was talking about exactly that about when he was a teenager he would do things like he, there was no social media so he would do things purely like out of how he was feeling mm. and um there was one girl that he liked when he was at school and he went home and he like didn't have a lot of money and wanted to try and find a way to express <laughs> his feelings for this girl and so um, he looked at his fridge and at the back of the fridge there oh was God. like a really hard old piece of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm really wondering where this is going. I'm so lost. <laughs> and he carved her name into this piece of cheese. <laughs> took it to school I was like I've got Aww. something for you and uh and presented it to her and god knows what she must have <laughs> at that moment um she actually did date him afterwards um, but I think that's more to do with the fact that this guy is like incredibly good looking oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh it's lucky she wasn't like lactose intolerant yeah. like, you know what I mean I wonder if she's still got the cheese <laughs> You know, no. it's the kind of thing you keep, well, isn't it, if you you're a teenager. You about it, would mm, you? Never. Keep it in your freezer. Yeah, lovely. My, my first thought was that he's a mouse, but... That he's a mouse? A melt. A melt. Oh, a melt, sorry. Yeah, he might be a mouse as well. Um, <laughs> okay, let's get on to the next question. We're going a bit more serious now, and... Mm -hmm. You know, I don't really believe in trigger warnings for a whole host of reasons. I've written about it before. But if you don't want to hear us talking about abortion, uh, because that's triggering for you, then turn away now. Come back in about five, six minutes, I guess. I don't know. I'm just saying this before we've even had the discussion, so I don't actually know how long it's going to be. But the question says, uh, or it doesn't, it's not actually a question. I think it's just a subject to talk about, which says, regretting an abortion when finding it difficult to get pregnant years later. That's a really tough one. Mm -hmm. um, I'm happy to jump in on this one. So I'm someone who has had an abortion a few years ago. Um, I've not tried to conceive since then. Like that's just not come up in my life. But I guess I've had like the experience of going through making that decision. 
So my first thoughts on this um, would be to determine why it is that you're bringing your past abortion into the topic of you struggling to conceive now. Mm. So I think it can really be for one of two reasons. The first one being is that you think that the fact that you had an abortion is actually affecting your fertility today. Mm. Um, so, Which is unlikely to be a unlikely. thing. Unless you had like a backstreet abortion mm. that wasn't done effectively if you mm. had if you did it legitimately through good medical sources, then it's unlikely to have any impact on your future fertility. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, there's no evidence to support that that would be the case. Um, if they were to even to do a study on that, think about what they would have to do. They would have to get a group of women, get them all pregnant, get half of them to have an abortion mm. and the other half not to and then see if they can all get pregnant a second time. Obviously, that's never going to happen. Mm. So we're never going to have solid scientific data on like absolutely certain of the impact that it can have. But we know from just population studies that it's extremely unlikely, as you said, mm. because there are so many women who have abortions and then go on to have more have children. multiple abortions mm-hmm. and continue to con- keep getting pregnant. Yeah, mm. exactly. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about was that you are thinking, oh, well, if you hadn't had that abortion, then you would have a child now. Mm. And I think the thing to think about then is, you know, you getting an abortion at any point is never an easy decision. Think about the reasons that you made that decision and the child that you would have had then is completely different to the potential child that you would have now and if it's just about having a child any child even that child that you for whatever reason decided wasn't right for you at that time then you know surely adoption is the same thing if it's about having a child any child but Mm. it's not really you know focus on your situation that you're in now you've made the decision you know that your life's in the right place that you want to be able to have a child I was always taught control the controllables. You Mm. cannot change the decision that you made back Mm -hmm. then. But there are things that you can do now. You know, this person's probably doing them already. Diet, exercise, um, taking all of your doctor's advice to make sure that Mm. you're optimising your chances. Um, But just not to let something that you have absolutely no control over anymore, you know, come Mm. into that. Yeah. Yeah, I really agree with what Chloe said about don't dwell on the past. Like, I think you made the right choice at the right time. And for anyone who who has had an abortion or is considering one you made the right choice it's not in your life right now to have a child and that's that you can't change it it's done and again it is very highly unlikely that your previous abortion is going to have affected your fertility now and if it is your doctor would have told you by now like you are infertile yeah I I do think that it's also worth remembering that the world is a shitstorm right now and we are in a circus being led by clowns who think they're kings and your body is in a very heightened state of stress. Oh, so, so true. Like my period during COVID has been horrific. Yeah, lots oh of women have got the same thing. Mm. And, you know, like I have always had light periods all the time and I remember getting cramps in March and I was like, I haven't had these in years. What is this? And I was just standing in my house. Like I had a hot water bottle tucked down the front of my track pants and a wheat bag on my back, like in these Zoom calls, just pretending that I was totally fine. And I was like, oh my my God, has it just been that I've forgotten that cramps exist and I deal with them day to day? Or is it actually lockdown? And then each month they got easier as I got adjusted to like not being as anxious. So your body is under immense pressure. Your reproductive system is totally 
in that. So don't put all of this extra pressure on yourself. And I really think that she needs to speak with a professional about her previous experience because it does sound like she didn't really deal with it at the time mm. or can't accept why she did it. And potentially that's why she's regretting it. But I, mm. you know, I've never been pregnant or tried to conceive. So I really feel for her and I hope that she's doing okay. But abortion is safe. It's the societal attitudes towards it that make it dangerous. Okay. And yeah. Um, I... I've just opened up my Instagram because there's an amazing woman who I've been following for a long time and her name is uh, on Insta. She's at Zaz.BRW, Z-A-Z.BRW on Insta. And she's a miscarriage and abortion doula. And I think she'd be a really good person to speak to or somebody who does uh, a similar thing. Mm. Um because it, 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 I think the conversation about abortion is uh, or terminations is a really difficult one because people have such strong views about it, mm-hmm. it, it either way. I, I had a termination when I was 19. It was, I, I don't have any regrets about that at, at all. Um, I, I can't imagine ever being connected to that man, um, you mm. know, and mm. my child Brand would be an, an adult now. And yeah. But it was a horrible thing to go through at the time. And I remember just feeling awful about it and screaming in the hospital and stuff. And it was, you know, it it wasn't easy. But then following on from that, I'm so glad that I did it. Um, Mm. And I think that it's a difficult conversation to have because actually sometimes people don't regret it at all. And I'm really fucking happy that it happened. But it's difficult to have that conversation because people are so sensitive about Mm. it that Mm. you you almost feel like you're being cruel or something if you say, no, best thing I ever did. Mm. And you don't want to encourage irresponsibility because actually that is not a form of contraception. Mm. You do not want to go into abortion lightly. But for many people, for some people it's the most it's the worst thing they've done. They live to regret it forever. For a lot of people, it's the best option that they could have chosen and mm-hmm. they feel no guilt. I feel nothing about it. Mm. I don't have any... I mean, if I sat there and really thought, shit, like I could have a child who's like 19 right now or whatever, mm. then it might make me feel a bit what if, but I feel no sadness about it at all. Yeah. Um, I have no regrets. Would I have felt differently at this point if I didn't have any children and if I was then struggling to get pregnant? Possibly. I can understand where that comes mm. from. Mm. Where, it, as you say, it was like, fuck, I had this opportunity to have a child and, and I, you know, threw it away. Mm. Not, I don't mean threw away. I th- threw away the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now, you know, I think some people might go through thought processes like I'm now being punished or, mm. you know, it's not that at all. Mm. It's, it's it's absolutely not. I think the things to remember that if you've been pregnant before, you can probably get pregnant again mm-hmm. unless you had a very traumatic termination done mm. by someone who is not legit. Um, but in which case your medical team who are around you should know that they mm. should be able to identify that there's been some damage there or something mm-hmm. um, and establish. Um, I think that trying to get pregnant and not being able to is a really fucked up thing it, mm. to deal with anyway. It's yeah. a really... But so many people go through that regardless oh, so of if they've had, a you know, an abortion before or exactly. not. Exactly. Which is why I think it's so important to just focus on that part. 
that mm, part is it's, exactly. it's, it's, it's a lot and 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 bringing in the regret of the abortion within that is just making it doubly hard mm. but for no reason because there's nothing you can do about the fact that you um had an abortion and it's actually got nothing to do with you trying mm. to get pregnant so the two are completely unrelated that's exactly mm. yeah exactly what i felt about it is that they're completely unrelated mm. um so for me um i would agree with you know what annie said about like maybe seeking some therapy yeah. for um for the abortion topic in general because i genuinely if i was trying to get pregnant now i might remember the time that i was pregnant before mainly because okay so say for example when i've had a pregnancy scare as i think sometimes happens mm. to all of us mm. um i'll remember the symptoms that i had when i knew that i was pregnant mm. and i'll think like oh my god am i having the same thing and it makes pregnancy scares that much worse um but if I was trying to conceive, it really wouldn't come into my mind. Like I wouldn't have those same feelings of mm. like, oh, like I could have had a child now because that child would have been with someone who I do not want to have mm. in my life whatsoever. Yeah. Mm. And I like, I'm so, so, so confident that I made the right decision. Yeah. Um, that it just, it just literally wouldn't come into my mind. I know that not everyone has made the decision to have an abortion in such a, clear cut yeah way and maybe that is what's making it more difficult especially if for example like we've not got that much information mm. if it was with the same guy that she's with now yeah i can imagine that being difficult but you know you still you know that it wasn't a decision decision that was made lightly mm. yeah yeah I, I would definitely contact either Zaz or somebody who specializes in this as you say mm. therapy would be really useful um but try to disconnect the two mm. at the moment you're just focusing on trying to get pregnant which again I think your point was so good about the fact that we are in a really fucked up time mm. and our bodies are all reacting to that some of us are putting on weight some of us are losing weight some of us are getting weird headaches we've never had mm. before some of us mm. you know there's a lot to deal with nobody's mm. mental health has been untouched by mm. any of this and mm. that can affect your ability to be able to get pregnant but it can also affect your 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 emotional well-being mm. and mm. and can make you start to think about things in the past and what you could have done differently and whatever oh, for sure yeah. i feel like i lost my mind mm. doing lockdown Ooh, something that we yeah. spoke about yeah actually yeah. like you know like conspiracy theories and oh, stuff yeah i kind of got into them for a bit <laughs> it's very easy to do <laughs> And I've never been that person. Mm. Like, I'm a scientist. Mm. You know? <laughs> like, I, I it was completely out of character for me. Mm. Um, and I never could have predicted that. So, yeah, I totally yeah. agree with your point that maybe they are focusing on something or like not seeing things in the most emotionally healthy mm -hmm. way because of just this scenario that we're in right yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah. And also, I would say, and this is not, you know, this might sound a bit odd, but also like, look at the state of the world like if you don't actually manage to get pregnant i know this is not going to necessarily make you feel great but actually not bringing children into this world right now is probably quite a good thing mm. like we're on fire like <laughs> we've got trump probably about to get a second term yeah. we're just about to leave the eu and i mean literally crash out of the fucking eu with absolutely no trade deals with mm. anyone except for japan at the moment it looks like we're fucked mm. um the world is fucked and you, you've got covid who knows if we're going to go into another lockdown um 
you know, so obviously humanity needs to survive and people mm. need to continue having children. But mm -hmm. also I think that actually not having children in these circumstances is not the most terrible thing. Mm -hmm. I think it can, it, it, in a way it can kind of reassure you that like, you know, pursue that, do everything that you can and, mm. and do your best to either foster or adopt or try to have children of your own. But if you don't, then you can kind of reassure yourself with the fact of like, actually it's probably not the greatest world to bring a child mm. into yeah. right now anyway yeah. maybe this is not a, necessarily a terrible thing right now mm. i hope that doesn't come across wrong to anyone who's sitting I here feeling it. like oh, i'm desperate to have a child how mm. dare yeah. you so you know and that's not what i mean at all i'm just saying if you ever get to the point where you literally can't yeah. then actually that's not necessarily mm. a terrible yeah. thing right now like, yeah. and i hope that person would be making sure they're taking full advantage of the fact that they don't have kids right now mm. not in terms of like you know going out boozing but in terms of like what are the things that you can do now that you would not be able to do if you did have a child yeah. mm. um you know like treating yourself maybe to like a beauty treatment or something the fact that you can sleep in on a mm. weekend mm. you know what is it you can't like eat shellfish when you're yeah. pregnant yeah. <laughs> lots of things rest <laughs> cream cheese yeah. all sorts of mad stuff I think um, there has been some research that's shown that people who've had COVID in the past struggle with infertility particularly males oh, afterwards really? so there's oh so much oh, research yeah. and stuff that's coming out that we just don't know that. and it does take a sperm and an egg to conceive mm. a child so you really have to consider both things and they, I also wonder whether the person has told their partner that they've had a previous abortion and yeah. if it's mm. like the secret shame they're holding mm. and that could be really driving that a wedge in their relationship yeah. I can't imagine being yeah. in that scenario like mm. I, yeah, yeah. I would hope that they're yeah. that. Well, I hope you're okay and we wish you the yeah. best and we're sending and manifesting lots of Huge pregnancy hug. vibes to mm. you and yes. lots yeah. of love. But get in touch with Zaz as well. Mm. She might help you or some kind of therapy. Yeah. Um, there was also that campaign that's going around at the moment, the um, hashtag but not maternity. And at the moment, the only person mm. that can be in a hospital room oh, when giving yeah, birth it's an is horrendous. Horrendous. Yeah. horrendous. Oh, like parents not meeting imagine. their children until they're three days old. And yeah. I'm just so scared of all the people that are probably discharging themselves early because they just want to be around their support network and they can't yeah, be terrifying yeah, i was watching this woman on insta and she'd had she'd gone to a scan but she couldn't go with the partner and then at the scan she found out that the baby you know she'd had a mm. miscarriage and then they she couldn't contact him until like she'd got out into the car but oh it was just gosh. awful like so it actually it's a terrible time yeah. maybe maybe if you know you can just chill for a bit and really work on getting over the you know the regrets of the abortion mm. and stuff and then maybe when you do get pregnant mm. things will be easier and better and it'll be a better time than, than mm -hmm. what we're in right now all right this is a great question the next one mm. perfect for you two as well because I, I, I as i say we've never met before but the two of you I've spoken to enough over the years to kind of like when these questions came through, I was just like, yeah. Yes. And when you two came out together, because how we did this, how I did this was I just got all the patrons who wanted to uh, enter. I got them all to put their names in a hat and I just pulled, I used a name selector thing on Instagram and they came out together. And I was so happy that it was the two of you because I thought you were just such a perfect combination. Like it could have gone a bit left if there was, to, you know, all my patients are amazing. I speak to all of them. But if they, they, the combinations might not have been quite as perfect mm. as, as you two. So I'm really happy. <laughs> anyway, so the next question says, what is your advice for dealing with your boyfriend 
who is going through a police investigation for a historic rape allegation. It was nine years ago, and he said it never happened. I am so confused. Ooh. Big one. Mm. I wish we had more information on this one, you know. Exactly. I want to know exactly what he's been accused of. Mm. I want to know who's doing it. I want to know if she has seen statements has she mm. actually has the police actually told her mm. what you know or is it, it just coming from him um I, I, I we need more info oh, but what are your first thoughts on this okay so jumping in again with some personal experience um so i made a historic rape report um and my first the things that i really want this person to understand is that um making one of these reports is not an easy thing to do mm. and that's not just from making the decision yourself to go to the police which in itself is difficult um but when you start talking to the police they emphasize to you how unlikely it is that this is going to go anywhere they actually try pretty hard to dissuade you mm. from from making this report um they tell you what it's going to be like to go through the court process um, they really grill you for every bit of evidence and so for me it was making one about something that happened i think it was about eight years prior and I want you to remember like dates and everybody's name and times of the evening and whether something was on your left side or your right side. Like it's such an intense process. And so if this person has gone through with that to the point that they have made the decision to get in touch with your boyfriend and, you know, I guess he's not been arrested, but they've told him that there's an investigation going on um, that this person has already been through a lot. So just think about the fact they're probably not doing that lightly. Mm. Um, <clears throat> as you mentioned, we've got very little information about this. Um, but what I thought was, if I'm thinking about a really... Okay, this is a difficult one, so I'm going to be careful of how I word it. If you're hearing this about your boyfriend and you're asking the question to us about what should I do, mm. maybe that's indicating that you already think that he could be capable of it. Mm. You know, like I, I do believe that everybody has like a dark side to them you know potentially like we can't say to anyone like oh that they would never ever ever do xyz mm. um but i hope this person is thinking about her own safety mm. because it, you know, she wasn't there she doesn't know it, did he do it or mm. didn't he but I would say in the patchwork of information that you have about this person that you're inviting into your life, i.e. your boyfriend, this is just an extra piece of information for you and take it into account. So if he has shown you any evidence through his own behaviour, you know, that he could potentially be, um, have violent tendencies or be abusive or mm. be coercive in the bedroom or any of those things, like maybe you've already got a few points that you might be concerned about and this can add to that that's the kind of thing i would want them to be mm. thinking about Annie, what's your thoughts i'm super wary of believing men just in general but um, 
in these kinds of situations, I'm very wary because men don't know what rape is. They have this yeah. very limited, narrow view understanding. Rape is someone grabbing someone down an alleyway with yeah. a knife to their throat yeah. and sexually assaulting them when rape is just the absence of consent and sex, you know? Like, mm. all of us know people who have woken up the next morning and been like, did we have sex? Yeah. And the guy's already out there telling everyone, yeah, we fucked, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I wasn't awake. Like, I, we did not have sex. And mm. that is rape. But a lot of men don't understand that. And, I mean, we also know that 90% of rapists are known to victims. Like, But mm. that is not information that men know. That's not stuff that they think about. And so, for them, the rape is the scary alleyway, stranger yeah. danger, etc. So, I really think, you know, for a victim to come forward nine years later, mm. that's yeah. a strong red flag for me. Yeah. I mean... Research shows that false accusations are what two to ten percent of mm-hmm. rape cases. Only oh no, like zero point five six. Oh god, yeah, and like fifteen percent is the maximum amount of cases reported that of cases that have actually happened. So, to, for someone to go to that extent, like in the early two thousands, there was research. I think like there were. Um, 200 complaints made to the British Home Office of of false rape. Only 126 got to a point where they were actually filed. And then of them, only two were deemed false. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, like, I mean, we're not arguing whether he did it or not, but I just, I would question severely whether or not you want to be with this man. Is this someone you actually see Mm. in your life long term? Is this headache worth it? Because Mm. this Mm. is a headache. Like, you don't want to deal with a potentially rapist boyfriend. Yeah, mm. it's so difficult because let's imagine that the scenario is that you have been single for ages and then you've met this incredibly amazing guy and he ticks every fucking box. He's like feminist, he's socialist, mm. he's, well, these are my boxes, obviously, I think they're yours too. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's gorgeous, he's lovely, everything is perfect. You've been together two years, you're imagining your future with this man and then mm. boom, mm. a historic rape allegation is made and then Mm. you are expected to decide with very little information at that point Mm. whether you want to support somebody where you haven't seen any of this kind of thing Mm. but you also have to believe because everything that you two have both said the fact that it was nine years ago there'd be absolutely no reason for her to randomly come Mm. forward and put herself through this um nearly 10 years later Mm -hmm. the very fact that it's even got this far because Mm -hmm. as we know even real rape i say real quote unquote Mm -hmm. doesn't get anywhere it very Mm -hmm. rarely is you know i've had so many women will be able to attest and men to the fact that they've had nfa no further action from Mm -hmm. the police Mm -hmm. when they've made reports about rape or sexual assault um because the way that the cps uh, and the police look at it is will this you know, will a jury, is it worth it for us to try to prosecute this person? Mm. Will this jury find uh, this credible? W- will they uh, prosecute this person? And nine times out of ten, they won't because mm. the victim is not credible, because there's a lack of evidence, because of jury's awful feelings about rape. And mm. exactly as you said, like a rapist has to be someone jumping mm. out of a bush with a knife or whatever. Um, so the fact that the police are actually investigating it mm-hmm. means you can't just go to the police and go, this guy did it, Mm. but I've got very little information, blah, blah, blah. Mm. At that point, they would probably drop it, you know? Mm. They, they, to, to to be going like this, I would say that something happened. Mm. 
Mm. We don't know if it's definite, but something mm. has probably happened. Mm-hmm. And exactly as Annie said, like whether he interpreted that as rape is probably what, the, what where where this is now. Mm. He probably did something which was rape, but because it was like at a party and mm. the girl mm-hmm. was drunk and she felt he thought that she wanted, you know. Mm. So rape isn't always this nasty, awful thing. I mean, it is always nasty and awful. You know what I mean? Mm, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Like, mm, it's not necessarily a violent act. Yeah. Mm. So it's very. It's as if, oh, wow, what the mm. fuck would you do um, if he was this perfect man? What would you do? Or well, uh, something that I think. I'm thinking about that perfect man thing. I'll come to that in a second. Just a point that I want to make before I forget that this person who's asked the question should be prepared for is that he's probably not going to get convicted of rape. Yeah. Like realistically, like if that's going to be your metric for whether or not you believe this woman yeah. is like whether or not a judge will convict him. That's mm. not a good metric whatsoever. Absolutely. Because, you know, what happened to me, as you mentioned, what happens in the vast, vast, vast majority of these cases is that it's just eventually not going to take be taken any further. That does not mean that he is um innocent mm. um and so she's gonna have to think of you know some other metrics to help her make her decision yeah. um if i was in that situation i met someone oh god you know <laughs> and they were like perfect then this came out i genuinely i would it's, i would have so to I would, you know what i would have to walk away because I would be thinking about, like, I would be imagining myself in that girl's position. Mm. Like, I know when I made that decision to make a report, the guy involved had um, a two-year-old daughter at that time, and he was with someone, and that the woman stayed with him through it, you know, especially because it didn't go anywhere. Um, And I would just be imagining the younger version of myself making Mm. that report and thinking about that woman. And I think, you know what? There's enough guys in the world that I probably could go and find somebody who wasn't in that scenario. Sorry, go on. Uh, I just like, if you need space to process this away from him, take it. And he's probably going to react poorly if he did do this and he knows he did it. Mm. And that's another giant red flag, like to just run. I think just get yourself together safely talk to your friends, ask them for their opinion and say, you're not going to judge them. You know, like we all have those friends who leave a guy and you just bad mouth them. And then all of a sudden she's back with them. Mm. (laughs) But Mm. just tell your friends, like I, you know, I want your opinion on this unfiltered. I'm not going to do anything with it, but I'm making a really tough decision. And I'd appreciate my people who know me better than I know myself sometimes to have an opinion. And I know that if I was in that situation, I could not live with myself being a hypocrite. Like the amount of times that, I've had to support friends through these situations and knowing that someone in my life has caused that pain to someone. Mm. Mm. Like, I just don't want to be associated with them. And yeah, there are so many men in the world. There are too many men in the world. But, (laughs) um, you know, it's... Uh, there will be someone else and I think this idea of like a woman has to stand by her man through thick Mm -hmm. and thin it's so archaic like it's just designed to keep women in shit loveless relationships Mm -hmm. because they're treated like expired milk that no one's gonna want it's like Mm -hmm. no you're a woman you're a fucking prize Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know I'm thinking that given that it was nine years ago if he said to me Actually, I did. I think I might have. On reflection on this, mm. I was young. I was a dickhead. I didn't understand boundaries. I thought women were mm. there for the taking. Mm. I was like in frat culture mentality type thing. Mm. And mm. I'm a fucking cunt. And I regret that massively. 
if he was if he was at that place mm. and I am going to do everything I can to show this woman that I am sorry and I will have to put my hands up. Yeah. And th- then I would have, then it's difficult, but I would, because I do believe in change and I do believe that people can progress and that mm. they can grow. If they didn't, then I would believe in the death penalty. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't. And I believe that there is room for change. So if he was able to show some kind of acknowledgement and, yeah, go some way to repair the pain he'd have mm. to plead guilty mm. this is that what i'm he'd thinking have to plead, guilty. plead guilty and then yeah. and then what then what would happen i mean he wouldn't get um i imagine if he was pled guilty to a historic rape case as you mentioned mm. then more than likely if it wasn't violent he would not be sent to prison he would get some kind of suspended sentence yeah. Order, yeah yeah but then it would still be on his record mm. yeah and this is the thing as well for her future where does this go because if you end up having children and stuff Mm. like that then Mm. he's going to have that on his record and if you've got violent sexual offences on your record people have to look into that when you have children uh, as to Mm. you know especially if this person nine years ago again how old is this person how old was the person who who was involved it's very complex it's very Mm. complex I totally get where you're saying I couldn't stand by somebody it wouldn't Mm. it totally doesn't align with my values imagine Mm. me like you know what Mm. I mean I just couldn't Mm. um and there are nuances to everything and I'm sure that some people men especially will be listening to this and thinking yeah but he might not have done it Mm. he might not have done it Mm. but I think you have to listen to what we were saying about the fact that he probably if he's being accused he, this length of time later mm. he probably did yeah i mm. think people but we can't say that for definite yeah mm. people seem to think that you get some sort of prize for accusing someone of rape or yeah. it's a badge of honor it is absolutely not it yeah. is awful and it is painful and you hate it and you know i think right now our generation there's a lot of people who have been like was that consensual sex yeah. or not? Was mm. I coerced into that? Did mm. I really want to do that? And that's a whole lot to deal with in its own. Mm. But yeah, like no one wants to accuse someone of rape. You don't get a prize. You mm. don't get money. You don't get anything. There is nothing to win. It's just this kind of sense of justice. Mm-hmm. And mm. even then, because of the useless judicial system, it's not justice. It's yeah. just like you've said your piece and you've tried to stop them from assaulting someone else. You know, like Brock mm. Turner, he, you know, drugged that girl um Chanel Miller or plied her with a lot of alcohol and raped her in an alleyway and Mm -hmm. he got three months in jail like there is no there is nothing to gain from accusing Mm -hmm. someone of rape especially Mm -hmm. nine years down the line Mm -hmm. no yeah like for me the reason that I made that report so many years later was because it was affecting me to such a degree Mm. on you know like not on an everyday basis, but certainly any time that I was having any interaction romantically with men, that it was still affecting me. Mm. And so for me, it wasn't a, oh, you know, was that consensual or wasn't? It was like, it was very, as soon as I learned properly what consent was, you mm. know, and also it was another factor because I was underage at the time. Um, and so it, the reason that I was driven to make that report, you know, so many years later was because it made such a big impact. And so we know that something probably happened and we know that it's something that was at least bad enough from her perspective to still be affecting her today. Mm. Like that, that is significant. And I think has to be taken into account. Yeah. Mm. See, I mean, I, the, the, in fact, the person that I had an abortion uh, from, how, what's the word, Dean, that you would use mm. that? No idea. Like the person who's, baby I aborted yeah uh, he raped me we were seeing each other and it was really um 
it was hot. I won't go into the description of it, but it was um, it wasn't stranger rape. Mm. Um, but he was big, like he was older than me. He was kind of gangster. He drove around in, like a fucking Bentley, and he was connected to all these like known gang members and stuff. So there was just no way that I would have said anything mm, at course, the time. Yeah. Just no fucking way. Would not mm. have been worth my life. Um, and you know, I, I, I've worked through it. I'm not. You know, I'm not traumatized by that rape anymore. Um, but it's it's interesting because I see him. He's connected to someone who's like, I say in quote marks, a celeb. Mm. She's, you know, somebody who's been on reality TV and stuff like that. And she posts him quite often on her Instagram and like calls him king and all of these kind of things. And it's very mm. triggering because mm. I feel like, no, he's not a king. And in fact, I wasn't the only person mm. he did that to. Mm. You know, I was 19 at the time. There was a girl that we knew um, who was a few years younger. She was about 16. And him and another guy on Christmas Day. Um, mm raped her but again not in a violent way that either of us would have known that it was mm. it, at that mm. time I knew it was rape but I did you know mm. I wouldn't have called it rape because again I was stupid enough or mm. not stupid enough naive enough to not understand that you know rape isn't just a, a, a stranger jumping out of a bush mm. so I see this guy all the time online <clears throat> um and it is triggering and I do want to just shout ugh, mm. ugh this guy's fucking gross and I really am, don't think that he would have changed mm. um, but I would still never report it mm. even now to this I wouldn't report it because yeah. and maybe that's wrong because maybe I should protect other women for, for, from him but I don't I don't even know what date it was I wouldn't be able to I know exactly what happened in that moment but mm. I wouldn't be able to recall the things that happened on that day leading up to it or when he called me or any of those things I just wouldn't report it mm. um, and that's my choice you know mm. and I think that's the thing important thing to remember with rape is that it's your choice you mm. don't have to mm. and you're not obliged to in any ways you have to do what's what's right for you but that kind of thing does make me feel that when people do report it it's probably happened because mm. it takes it would take a lot for me to go through that process mm-hmm. even though i know i'm telling the truth you know yeah. what i mean yeah exactly <clears throat> so mm. people also forget that like as you were saying when you're underage that's rape like a person yeah. who is underage oh, cannot yeah. legally consent to sex because they're you know yeah the law has de- determined that they aren't of an age where they can because they just aren't developed and that is rape like that is it's not an a like 21 year old hanging out outside of school flirting with a 16 year old it's grooming and it's rape 16 is not rape or like 13 is always rape oh i didn't know that under 13 is always rape you need to listen to my child sexual exploitation i I I was too scared to (laughs) (laughs) um yeah we we go into detail about that Mm. on there Mm. um okay so I feel like we should tell some jokes or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> should we just do some pelvic floor time or something? Like, it's just all going to be like, we've had a portion. I can't we've keep up with your pelvic rape. floor time. You do the thing of like, you go up the lift and then all the way down. I'm like, I don't have that many levels. Yeah. Like, so uh, I can't help you because I can't feel your vagina. I don't think you want me to. I really don't want to either. But if you haven't listened to my Insta Live, we do regular pelvic floor time just at the beginning and where I imagine everyone... I imagine I get everyone to imagine that their vaginas are a lift <laughs> and uh, that they take them up through the eight floors but I always see people in the I've comments like what maybe you're like maybe you're making the floors too the floor's big, too big. Okay. maybe it's just okay. like, like one squeeze two yeah. squeeze three squeeze four <laughs> five six and when you're on the eighth you're really squeezing yeah 
and then you hold it there for five seconds. I don't even know if that's right. Like, I, I'm not like some gynae physio person or whatever. But, um, okay, well, that was good. That kind of eased the mood a little bit. Mm. So we got a little song we could... You're not even allowed to play songs on podcasts. It's like illegal, I think. Mm. Oh, no. um, but it so would be good. So many bloody rules. So many rules. Um, right, okay. Let's move on to the next one, which is much less depressing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It says, how do you meet men if you're nearly 40? I'm in a pandemic and especially anxious about COVID. Actually, I don't think she said I'm in a pandemic. I think she just said <laughs> <laughs> she's not just in a personal one. She's like, We're all in a pandemic. So that's the question. Um, yeah. How do you make men meet? How old are you two? I'm 27. How old are you? I'm 28. But I actually, for a while, I thought I was... Um, 28 earlier because I miscounted my birthday oh, and one no. year I was just like oh my god I can't believe I missed that last birthday like what have I achieved in that year and I was like oh, no you've just counted wrong. <laughs> I don't know wow. if you start to go into a bit of a blur after about yeah. 24 but yeah exactly everything's just a blur and I was like okay I wow. always used to think that my parents so my mum would be like or my dad would be like I'm I'm 58 no sorry 52 or 55 mm. I think how can you not know how oh, old yeah. you are yeah. but yeah I Actually, as you get older, it does all start to get a bit confusing, mm-hmm. doesn't it? But I do remember this year I turned 28 because uh, I'm the age that my mum was when she had my older sister. And I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, no way. I'm not having kids yet, yeah. mum. Don't worry. <laughs> wow. It's funny. I had my son at 29 and it feels like when I hear 28, 29, I feel, oh, it's so young. Like, yeah. Yeah, don't do that. But actually, it's just, that's how old I was. I do not have my shit together. Not even close. Nobody does. <laughs> Honestly, no one does. I'm telling you, even the ones who look like they've got their shit together do not have their shit together. Mm. Nobody does. And you're not supposed mm. to. No. It's all right. Just fucking ride through life, swimming through shit and just hope for the best. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Um, so how do you meet men if you're nearly 40? I should probably answer this one because I'm nearly 40. And the answer is, I don't actually fucking know. <laughs> I don't know where they are. I don't know if they've all gone into hiding. Um, I just don't know. I. I, I mean the answer is obviously dating apps you know there is mm. nothing wrong with dating apps and dating apps is it's the best way to meet people mm. like I'm phased out of this um, because basically every time I go on dating apps somebody screenshots my pictures and puts them on a gossip site <sighs> which is fucking humiliating and bullshit and just really puts me off and I'm in this position where I feel like I have to kind of lie to people because mm. I can't say when they say what do you do for a living I mm. can't say hi I'm la 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 let me explain you probably haven't heard of me because you're a man um, <laughs> but you know I can't it's just it's very difficult mm. for me so I should actually be the one asking this question how can you meet men <laughs> when you're nearly 40 and you can't go on dating apps what's the fucking answer well, I, I mean i've got um i've ended up with this group chat of girls right so these are two women i shouldn't i shouldn't say girls i'm always i always this. do that girls mm, but yeah. i never say boys no you're right yeah, but yeah. It, I'd, I'd, girls, just natural term it is, especially in london i think yeah it's like the girls um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, anyways, so um, these two lovely ladies <laughs> that I worked with at my previous job, um, we made a group chat when we left just to like plan one drink. And then that was around February. And so they've ended up becoming the people who I speak to the most all the way through lockdown. But one of them is, I think she must be, oh my God, I don't want to get it wrong. She's in her early 30s. And then the other lady is, I think, 42. And out of the three of us, the 42-year-old has met the most guys. <laughs> we said the most stuff going on. For her, it has been over apps 
to be fair. Which apps is she using? Um, she has been using Bumble, as far as I know, mm. and potentially Hinge as well. I think that's right. Um, I think, no, and Tinder as well. Mm. Yeah, she's been on Tinder, which is not something that I would go on. Um, but she has recently made the decision that she is coming off of it. And we're actually doing a thing through September, where every, or starting in September, every two weeks, we're going to go out to a bar. The first one is tomorrow night, actually. <laughs> we're going to go out to a bar with the express intention of meeting guys. Mm. And so with that, you know, I'm very confident with approaching guys. Like, I think my teammates probably are a little bit less so or like it's less something that they would do but I'm going to be encouraging them because it works like if you're in a bar and there's a guy there there's lots of guys and lots of girls like why do we have to passively sit back and wait Mm. for them to notice us Mm. like you know that maybe they didn't see you go approach them that is very much um my ethos so I guess I have to report back on how well that goes but the apps have been doing decently well for my friend for sure yeah yeah, I um, I started off on a lot of dating apps at the start of lockdown. I was like, okay, I'm bored. I've got time. I can talk to some people and be bored out of my mind, but it doesn't really matter because what else am I going to do? And um, mm. now I'm just bored of them and I just cannot handle the shit chat of like, how's lockdown treating you? Yeah. Oh my God, the same as everyone fucking else. Like, no. Yeah. Um, but like, I think this person needs to own the fact that they're nearly 40. They're living their best life. They're doing great things. Like, men are, you know, she said men are dessert. They're an option, but they're not a necessity. Yes. And you've just got to remember that. And Shia is a boss. Yeah. Um, but, like, have you thought about what do you actually really want from a man? Like, the law of attraction. What are your non-negotiables? What do you want? Do you want a man who's kind, compassionate, loving? Do you want him to own his own house do you want him to be running a business do you want like this or this like think about what you really really want before you start searching and then you can go onto dating apps and be like okay this isn't the man for me and Mm. even before the pandemic people were on dating apps people were doing long Mm. distance online dating 20 years ago Mm -hmm. I have a friend who met her husband on like a dating website and they spoke for two years and then they met and they got married they're divorced but it's fine (laughs) they were together for like 10 years you know and it's that thing of like this is just the way of the world. This is how we meet people. Um, what's mm. that movie? When Harry Met Sally or You've Got Mail? Yeah, You've, You've Got, got Mail. mail. Oh, oh, so was that about dating apps? No, it was about dating via email. Oh, yeah. They met in a chat room. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. so sweet. I <laughs> do love that film. Yeah, so Back good. In MSN forum yeah. days. Yeah. Like. They had that massive <laughs> laptop. Yeah. <laughs> On your PC. Like. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think actually you made me think of something there, Annie, which is like, actually, even the fact that she says when you're nearly 40, mm. I think that's almost like she's sort of, mm. she's almost putting like a, well, I, can't, I can't think of the right word, she's but like a, there's like a date. little negativity thing yeah. on it. Like, yeah. because to me, I never think, oh, how do I date now? I'm nearly 40. Like, I don't even think of myself in those terms. You mm. know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like dating, mm. I guess your purpose might be different when you're, if you're 25. You know, it depends, again, whether you've had kids, whether you want kids, whether, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But dating when you're nearly 40, actually, in this day and age, mm. is really no different to dating when you're 25. Yeah. Only being that when you're 25, you're more likely to have more single friends or let more friends who haven't got kids and stuff. So you, mm. you're free to go out and do what you need to do on them. Mm. ponder streets um <laughs> you know what i mean but if you are like 
my age it's very difficult like if yeah. I you know I have to arrange with friends like two weeks in advance mm. and and if they're in relationships they don't you know we just go for dinners and stuff so we're not like mm. out in spaces necessarily and like you say you, when, if you go out with your single friends you can actually do that thing of like actually we're going out to meet men yeah. mm. whereas if I'm out with my married friends that's not what we're no. doing they're yeah. not great pulling pop friends or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I yeah. guess there is a difference in that mm. way but don't ever think that things get reduced um you know there's just, there's equally uh, equal numbers of single people out there yeah. Yeah, of regardless course. of age it's just that you're probably a bit wiser now that mm, you're nearly yeah, 40 definitely. and you've probably been through it and you probably can spot red flags more easily and which can make you feel less successful though yeah mm. like this is something that i think that i've picked up on is um sometimes i'll get into a little bit of like a tease of thinking like oh like why are none of these interactions going anywhere or mm. like going past like the first second day and when I look at them it's me that is cutting things off and it's because I'm spotting red flags mm. so much earlier or I'm even if it's not a red flag even if it's just someone that I'm not that interested in that a couple of years ago I would have continued seeing them and mm-hmm. eventually caught feelings for someone because mm. that can happen just through pure experience exposure to them Mm. and then ended up in an unsatisfying relationship that I eventually have to end whereas now my standards for myself are so much higher and that I'm just you know nipping things in the bud a lot more which can make you feel like you're being unsuccessful Mm. but you're just actually increasing your chances of finding the right one yeah Mm. Yeah. I think it comes back to everyone thinks that being single is something to be ashamed of but it's like Mm. it's absolutely not like you don't need a partner to rely on it's you're totally fine just living your best life like I've seen um, Zoom speed dating and my friends said that it's really interesting and fun but it's hard because you don't get to make friends with the woman and like uh, generally when you go to speed dating like you make really good friends with people because yeah. you're like oh my god did he say this to you like <laughs> you all of that and she's like it's really sad like you just don't get to talk to the woman and, yeah. which is unfortunate but you know like give your dating app logins to your friends and tell them to swipe for you Yeah, take off the pressure and then you just take on the conversation and get used to virtual dates and Why get comfortable what, oh, it is speed dating. No, oh. give, giving out my login details to my mates so they can swipe for me. It's so much easier. <laughs> it's such a chore. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And they do it all for you, and then and they might match with some like different guys. Exactly. Than I would as well. The guys mm. that you would you know overlook, they will match, and then they can like if it's Bumble, they can send the first messages for you, whatever. But you've just got to be open. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Delegation, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, like they get entertained, especially if they're in a relationship because yeah. they want to see what's on the dating yeah, apps. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's just like get out there and do your thing. And with the anxiety, it's very, very natural to be anxious, as we've already spoken about. We're mm-hmm. in a pandemic, mm-hmm. and you just have to do what's comfortable for you. If you're not comfortable going out to bars, don't do that. If you're comfortable with virtual dates, just like match with some randoms on whatever app and. They do video chat now in the apps. So you can just have virtual dates until you're comfortable with that. And I've been so against those, but I have made the decision now. Like, I've actually just come off the apps. Mm -hmm. But if I was on them, that I would do video calls. If I meet someone on Instagram or Mm -hmm. whatever, I'm going to do a video call before I meet them. Because I've had enough of, I think, memes enable this so much more you start talking to someone over an app maybe you're even voice noting Mm. and then through the medium of memes and voice notes you can create this like false connection Mm -hmm. and vibe with someone and then as soon as you meet up with them in person it just it's not there this happened to me a couple Mm. of days ago i'm (laughs) traumatized 
And it's so sad because it's like it's nothing against them at all. It's just whatever vibe you had yeah. via WhatsApp yeah. or the app or whatever. Mm just doesn't translate in person mm. but i'm thinking that if you vibe over a video call yeah no oh no no no, you no no it's happened to me before <laughs> we're like i think i wrote about it actually there's this guy and he was like colombian and he was really fucking sexy and i was like really into him we got on really Did well he end up being short were we long time? No, that he, no, that's some, that's the one that the audio blog you just heard me recording. No, he was um, oh, he was so hot, and even on video call Skype, we did a Skype call, not not like on the phone, on the com- actual computer. So I saw his big face. <laughs> I was like, so hot, this can't, you know, I'm going to fancy him, there's no doubt about it. And then I'm pretty sure, I can't remember what he was wearing, I think it was brown corduroys and a mustard shirt with a big v-neck and massive collar (laughs) and like a chain on, a bit of a hairy chest and and he just, I can't remember exactly what he was wearing, but I just remember thinking like, how, how could you have looked like that on the video Mm, and like this in real life? And I no it's not about looks I understand that and like you say it's about the vibe mm, so mm. even if he had looked a bit different but we'd had that mad spark mm, yeah. then but yeah but seeing each other on video is not necessarily foolproof mm. it's not oh, it. you can't yeah. guarantee it alright well, I'm sticking <laughs> off the apps for now <laughs> the other week my friend went on a hinge date and he said let's meet here and we'll go for a drink and then we'll go get something to eat and she was like okay cool let's do that and then he was like oh let's just pop in here for a drink and she's like okay it's a goddamn Weatherspoons <laughs> and then um, he spots his friends and she's like, okay. So they go and sit down with his friends and then he's like, what do you want to drink? And she's like, oh, I'll just have a juice. And he's like, okay. And he goes and gets a juice and a pint. And then he comes back and he's ordered a lasagna. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so she's like, so, so we're eating it with a spoons with all of your friends. And this is our first date. And then, um, oh, I forgot to say, when they were outside with the spoons lining up, some girl comes up to him and is like, I can't fucking believe you. You just use me. You're secretly gay. We all know you're gay. You're just using girls to like pretend you're not. And so, oh. so she's like traumatized already. And she's like, okay, I would don't. have to leave at that point. But that's probably why he brought her to meet the friends. Yeah, because oh. she didn't know that she was meeting the friends. So when she sits down, um, they're talking about blah, blah, blah. And then one of the girls that's sitting down is also quite drunk. And she's like, no, she was fucking right. You are gay. <gasps> fucking knows it you've just brought this girl along just to prove to the rest of us you're not gay and then he dicked her he he punched her yeah he punched her like (gasps) not my friend but the other girl who your New Zealand him. accent makes it sound like you say he said he dicks her. He yeah. dicked her. Just got his dick out. Well, he's gay. <laughs> but yeah, so he just punched her, and my friend was like, "I'm just gonna, um, I'm just gonna go now." And oh, then, wow. but she didn't want to. No, he got escorted out by the Witherspoons bouncers, and then the oh. bouncers come back in, and they're like, "Oh, he wants to talk to you," and she's like, "Oh, I'd rather not, thanks." And so she's just sitting there at the table drinking her juice with, with his friends, friends. and she's so like, "I don't nice. know what to do." And so the um, like she went through a different exit to get out, and just like yeah. ran for her life oh, and wow. blocked him on everything. It's actually wild. a heartbreaking story, yeah. and yeah. even for the guy who's having to do all of Absolutely. this. Absolutely, yeah. um, and even the way that his mates are treating him about oh, you know, yeah. like just yeah. that. 
It, I hope it sounds that like he needs like, new friends. He needs oh, yeah. new, new friends. friends. He needs to come the fuck out. Mm. He needs to get some kind of therapy and counselling yeah. and start to love himself. Yeah. But he also needs to not try to use other women to. Oh, God, for sure. It's not fair yeah. on anybody. Mm. This whole even, even the girl that called him out at the yeah. table with his friend, she's kind of an arsehole as she's well. A yeah. 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 Like, like you don't so out somebody that's yeah. that's really out for them. Nice. Yeah. But ooh. also, ooh, I feel like if your friends are the type that want to spend a Friday night with a spoons, get new friends. Yeah, 100%. It's cheap though. I know me. Music. My mm. friend just told me about a date that she went on, and the guy they walked down the street after the date. She quite liked him; she thought it was all right. And um, every time, like he took a step, he'd fart, <gasps> but he didn't acknowledge it or didn't say anything at all. And so she could hear it, but didn't want to say anything. And he's just like. <laughs> As he walked along, <laughs> and she said she just couldn't get over it. I'm not sure if he thought she couldn't hear or... Oh but goodness. yeah, dating is fucked. But you've got to kind of enjoy all of that part of it as well. Mm, like yeah, a yeah, good date, sure. a mm. bad date makes a good story. We've mm. kind of covered this one. The next question is, I love being single, but my pool of single friends is shrinking as we get older. How do I continue to be true to myself and not settle for the sake of not being the only single one? And how will I meet other single people in their late 20s? I reckon we've kind of covered that mm. with the last mm. question. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got anything to add on that? Um, First of all, just wanting to like LOL with the fact that getting older is late twenties. Like oh when, my I started, God. <laughs> when I started reading the question, I was expecting another like you know like yeah, maybe yeah, like yeah. almost forty. And she was like, oh, now that we're getting into our late twenties, <laughs> <laughs> what? Mm. Um, but yeah, the the only thing that I would have to to add here is you know thinking about like oh I'm going to be the one that I might have to settle so that I'm not like the last single one. How do you know that your mates aren't settling yeah. because they're worried about the same thing? Exactly. Like if I'm completely honest. Hopefully not too many of my mates are listening. <laughs> they There's will be. No, oh, oh, okay. I would say like if I had... Some people that you know of who might not be your friends or might be other people's <laughs> friends are not happy in their actual relationships. <laughs> not, not even that not happy, but I would say like if I was looking around and I saw people in relationships that were so blissfully inspiring, you know, and like perfect tales of love, mm. then maybe like I might feel how this person is mm. feeling. But that's, I think what I'm seeing is the reality of relationships. It's not that they're unhappy. It's just that relationships take work, mm. evidently. And like being single is fucking amazing and mm-hmm. I'm not going to give it up that yeah. easily and I'm certainly not going to settle so that I can Never. lose my single life mm-hmm. like no way Never yeah. ever settle oh my god also like can we please discuss the amount of breakups and divorces that have happened exactly. because of lockdown yeah. because you're forced to be with someone that you're that you thought you loved it's like <laughs> yeah. oh my god if it takes like being in close proximity with someone seven days a week to realize you do not want to be with them you probably settled to start with yeah mm. like and also if your friends are you know married kids all of that that's great for them but they will be so envious of the fact that you can go out on a friday yeah. night yeah. and it doesn't matter i can tell exactly. you that like honestly i am jealous of my friends who don't have children because their lives just seem so mm. free and like mm. ease and lockdown looked like a fucking i know that being completely on your own during lockdown was a really shit thing but it looked like it was much easier than having to deal with a child for the entire time yeah, sure. so mm. yeah. i think the grass is always green eyes and it yeah. and mm. how you meet other single people in their late 20s go on the uh, you know 
go on um what's it called bumble, bumble bff yeah. Yeah. i don't i've yeah. never used that but yeah. um yeah. but also get a hobby right oh God, especially because yes. this person is like less anxious about covid right so and everything that i'm talking about is within the COVID yeah. regulations but for me like i've met so many friends um and my last boyfriend i also met through my hobby which is rock climbing yeah and so you know not everyone is going to be into rock climbing but they should try it <laughs> um but but try something different like for me how i initially got into that was because i wanted to go on a big detox from alcohol and all this was you know a couple of years ago and all of a sudden I realized that when you're not spending half your time getting trashed and the other half being hungover the weekend is really long Mm -hmm. and like you have to fill it and so I literally (laughs) went on google maps near my house and just looked at like things to do and uh, there was a climbing wall nearby Mm. so I went to try it and you know luckily the first thing that I tried ended up being the thing that I completely fell in love with and now I spend a huge amount of my time and energy on there um but you know whatever the equivalent might be for this person yeah, you've got to gym. try new you things you can meet people in the gym yeah. you can volunteering is a great oh, way yeah. way to do it yeah. there's lots of you can meet like-minded people mm. exactly um, be creative yeah. and also yeah. loads of people have made friends through my page like mm. yeah. my patron parties there's at least like eight pe- eight separate two sets of women who've like become best friends mm. um and, and who get on really well and yeah. you know lots of people who meet through my little community mm. yeah. um because you know they're going to be like-minded women mainly yes. yeah. um so be bold but you know yeah. the same way that we can meet men just on insta and mm. stuff we can meet women too yeah, yeah. um yeah. okay so i'm gonna go for this so basically we need to finish fairly soon um and I've got two good questions, but I think the last one I really want to answer. So we're going to answer this one. And if we've still got time mm. at the end of it, then we'll, we'll answer the other one. But if not, we'll just drop that one. So the question says, I am absolutely broke. I was furloughed and then made redundant. I'm considering starting an OnlyFans, but I'm nervous about the potential repercussions. Would you do it if you had no other choice? Just to explain what OnlyFans is, is it's uh, basically like a pay subscription service. So it's for sex workers to take control of their own pornographic material, Mm. basically. So people can share different levels. I'm not an expert on OnlyFans by by any stretch of the imagination, but this is what I know about it, which is that so you can upload um, like nude pictures or foot pictures Mm. or whatever the fetish is or sell your knickers uh, and people pay like either a weekly or monthly fee and I think they can pay different rates for, so you could maybe show Mm. them one boob and they'll pay you like a tenner and both (laughs) 20, I don't know. (laughs) People who've got OnlyFans will be able to explain it a bit better, but basically what she's saying is should I consider putting you know doing sex work um as a result of being completely broke what would you I have a friend who is a who previously was a sex worker and she has an OnlyFans now and she's always getting questions like this on Instagram like should I start an OnlyFans I'm really nervous about what people will think of me and she's like if you have any reservations don't do it because you need the thicker skin you need to promote the heck out of yourself like OnlyFans is a platform it's just like Patreon actually yeah. like anyone can go on there um, before it became really popular for sex workers it, it had people like doing painting tutorials and cooking classes and oh, right. all of these other things but because oh. sex work because it allows sex work on there that's obviously been the big money maker for OnlyFans and the biggest audience so you know, you go in there and 
if just having an OnlyFans isn't enough, you need to promote the shit out of yourself. You need to set up an Instagram and like tease out things and do all of this extra legwork, which people will find out about, unfortunately. Like you mm. can't just keep it anonymous, yeah. unfortunately. Mm. But I mean, it's, it's really, really sad to hear that this person's struggling like this. And it again comes back to the whole issue of this is the government's fault. Like mm. no one should be in these positions right now. No one should be financially punished because of this pandemic when the government mm. is happy to bail out their friends and happy to give contracts to shell companies and mm-hmm. do all of this stupid waste man behavior and then plunge citizens into poverty and destitution and you know you've got people who are dying next to their children because they can't eat and mm-hmm. all of this and it all comes back to the government really yeah i i fully i understand what this person is saying and i think they really need to like can they start a patreon do they have they applied for universal credit? How's that going? Can they ask their local MP to support their application? Can they get further support that way? But I just think if you've got reservations about OnlyFans, you just, you can't do it. Like it's, if it's going to cause you anxiety and mm. shame, which mm. it shouldn't because sex work is incredible and, you know, it's a service and it's the oldest profession mm. in the world for a reason. But if it's going to cause you more anxiety, what, mm. you shouldn't do it and yeah. mm. I like sex workers are so creative I think you know you see the people that do really successful on those platforms and they're the, they're the people who can do all kinds of things and mm. they make incredible content and they have like it's an investment as well you need to buy all of the right equipment you need to buy the lighting and you need to constantly be buying like lingerie and all of those things mm. and it's an expense as much as, as it is a money maker so you've just really got to fully commit and I just don't think if you've got reservations, you can do that. Mm. But I mean, personally, I couldn't do it because I'm so uncoordinated and so unsexy. Yeah, like, I, would, I would just be like knocking over lamps and yeah. like oh getting God. caught in whatever. <laughs> I'd like probably knock myself out. Yeah. But yeah, like I just, I don't have the stamina or the creativity or anything. And like, thankfully I've got a job, but I understand that this person's in a really tough position, but I really don't think yeah. Yeah, it's the right avenue for them. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's, she's asking, what would you do if you had no other choice? Mm-hmm. But I wonder if a man who was in her position would feel like he only had two options, mm. sex work or poverty. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. think that's where, that's mm. not where a man's first no. thought would go. So mm. where would your first thought go if you were a man, not a woman? Mm. Um and I think that if you if you are like your friend, mm. who you you have to be on it, you mm. have to be doing this because you want to do it. Mm-hmm. You've got no fucking shame with it. Nobody can hold it against you. Nobody can say, oh, "I saw you on OnlyFans." Yeah, mm. well, why didn't you pay me? You know what yeah. I mean? You you cannot if it is going to. Uh, cause you any shame mm, mm. you should not do it you should mm. find some other route there, there has to be another choice be it, you know a cleaning work or mm. working in low paid you know shelf stacking or mm. whatever mm. some there has to be other choices mm. although actually saying that you know thousands of people are losing their jobs at the yeah. moment mm. but if you were a man what would you be doing what would mm. your other choice be there has mm. to be something mm-hmm. um and yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I've got a friend who did cam work. Um, she's a bit older than me and she was doing hairdressing and really um, n- not earning anything near enough with her hairdressing to pay her rent and pay for her child and mm. all of that kind of stuff. And she just needed extra money. She's not privileged enough to have a family who could help her in mm. any way. Sometimes I forget how privileged I am, mm. not in the sense that my pa- family don't give me any money, but I know 
that in this situation if you know I'm not going to ever become homeless because I could move in with my nan or I could Mm. move in with my dad or I could move in with my mum that's fucking privilege Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. major privilege so some people are not in that position Mm -hmm. Uh, and my friend who who went into doing cam work was not in that position and she's a very sexual person and loves to be sexual and and loves fucking guys and doesn't have any shame around that whatsoever Mm. but when she got into the cam work it fucked her up it fucked her up completely um she started to become really jaded and weird about men mm-hmm. and then she would be speaking to people and they'd offer her a bit more money to meet in person mm. and then she ended up meeting two people two separate people and both of those experiences went okay nothing bad happened to her but you know she moved very quickly from camera work to actual sex work Mm. and she wasn't built for it Mm. she wasn't somebody who was able to not feel she even started to feel weird like so the the guy that so she'd been speaking for quite some time to the one of the guys that she ended up meeting up with in a hotel Mm. and he'd been paying her to like watch her on the cam and stuff then they met up in the hotel and he didn't contact her again and Mm. she felt hurt and she felt rejected you can't feel like that if you're a sex worker it has to be business it has to be transactional she felt awful and she was Mm. like starting to contact him like do you want to see me again kind of Mm. she was not built for it Mm. and i think you really have to think about you know how is that going to impact on you long term yeah yeah there's a few OnlyFans creators who have like guides and they sell them to starting OnlyFans and maintaining them and promoting them and maybe if you have a look at that and see oh yeah this isn't for me then you Mm. really need to just look the other way but i mean again men do not resort to sex work when they have no other option there's mm. always another option unfortunately and even when men do resort to sex work like strippers it's glorified you know magic mm. mic versus yeah. hustlers mm. and mm. coyote ugly and all of that stuff like the way mm. that people treat men who sell their bodies or whatever stupid way you want to say it like mm. yeah. there is a huge difference oh but huge it's like oh, get in there what a job mate like oh, yeah. you lucky guy mm. yeah it's mm. very different mm. isn't it yeah sure would you do it if you had no other choice? You know what? I have thought about doing like a foot fetish one, like <laughs> in the past, because like I think that I have nice feet. Um, I've been told that I have nice feet. <laughs> I've been told by guys like a few times, like, you know, guys that are already into feet, they're like, oh my God, like, your feet are amazing. <laughs> and um, they've said, you know, you should sell foot pictures and whatnot. And um, I looked into it, I won't lie, but. Um, what I saw was immediately what what you said because I'm you know the guys that they would have said to me like oh yeah you can just upload pictures of your feet like without even your face in it and you'll get money um and then when I went and had a look at content creators what I was seeing was they were posting constantly on Twitter they did have their mm. face all over it they were very much they were going hard mm-hmm. on like the self-promotion and I could see very quickly that it was not going to be like a quick buck of like post a picture of my mm-hmm. Mm, and yeah, get, you know, <laughs> I'll be rich. Um, and so I kind of realised, okay, like I'm not going to go down that route. Um, you know, I'm not in the financial p- position that this person um, is in. I have been in difficult positions before. I've been homeless before, um, and I'm. <laughs> I don't want to say lucky because I had to learn it, but like I have marketable skills for me. What I've always fallen back on 
is my work in education because you can always get work as like a cover teaching assistant and all that type of stuff so what I would say to this person you know I would agree with what you guys have said about not putting yourself into into sex work um out of necessity if at all you can avoid it and just have a think and try and get creative with like what your marketable skills Mm. might be um and I'm just sorry to hear this person is in this situation because it just sounds like really really rough Mm. it's really sad um all right we're going to just bang out the last question because we're going for dinner after this and the table's not booked till 6 45 and it's 5 45 now so we might as well go on until six and then we can make our way there um so the last question is do you think it's feasible to date someone with different religious or political views to your own I think it really depends on the extent. Like, if, you're if they're a Tory, no. <laughs> well, there's a T-shirt I saw on Instagram. It's by um, Girl Club, which is like GRL, CLB, and it says, thou shalt not fuck a Tory. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, yes. <laughs> if I go out and start meeting men, I will absolutely wear that. <laughs> but I, I, like, if you're someone who's atheist and the person that you're dating is Catholic, yeah, you're probably going to be fine. But if you're really, really staunchly, like, anti-religion or anything like that and the other person is very very much into their religion like if you're anti-religion and you're dating someone who's muslim and has to pray six times a day you're not going to be into that and Mm. that's going to really significantly affect your quality time together how you view the world like the things that you can do you know like do you like going out and drinking their religion might not let them do that are you Mm. okay with that and i think at the end of the day like what this question is asking is can you date someone who's a dickhead like because I mean you're, you're not asking like oh I'm and I'm, so I'm our, Mormon and our definitions of a dickhead will be different though won't they yeah. and so yeah. I think like for me my my response to this question would be you know without without thinking about the titles of like I'm a Labour supporter and they're mm. a Tory supporter or I'm Christian and they're Muslim I would say to like write a list of what your values actually mm-hmm. are um, and what your non-negotiables are and then you should be thinking with everybody that you meet whether or not they are aligned with those mm. regardless of like what title they might give themselves mm. so for example you know some religious people will be home will be homophobic as well as some atheist people will mm. also be homophobic yeah. but some people will be using their religion to justify that mm. like that so your value might be that I'm respectful of all people, regardless of what their, you know, gender or sexual orientation is. Mm. And then if religion is the reason why the person you're talking to is not aligned with that, like it, it doesn't matter that it's Christian or Muslim or this yeah. or that. It's the fact that they're not aligned with that value. And mm-hmm. I think that that is probably, you know, a more sensible, mm. uh, understandable yeah. way to go about it's morals it. and values, isn't mm. it? Because I mean, in terms of religion, if you're both religious, to, even if you're following different religions, you're probably mm. believing pretty much the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Apart from a few little, you know, variations here and there, they both basically all religions teach the same mm-hmm. thing, which is just be nice and love each mm. other and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But um, in terms of political views, I, for me, politics is really important. Um, he wouldn't necessarily have to be a Labour supporter, but for me, for somebody to say that they're a Tory voter or that they're a Brexiteer or whatever, to me that is such fundamental values because to me it means that you actually don't care mm. about mm. outcomes for marginalised groups. You mm. actually don't care about the impact that austerity is having on uh, children's lives and families' mm. lives and the poverty that is created. And to me that's but inhumane. What if they just don't know? Like, what if, like, because some people might, some people 
are not as into politics as others. Yeah. And they will vote based they'll vote like it's a football team yeah right yeah like allegiances because their parents mm. or exactly. whatever yeah and it might they might not truly believe you know all the things that we're assigning to like well, what Tory voter is um but I think like for you you know like as I am like very political um so good. see that's the thing isn't it you wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily even be able to date a man who, was who wasn't as political mm. as me because yeah. again I think like and this is my personal belief this is not having a go anyone who's listening to this podcast who's Voted Tory, actually. I would no, we can't go there. Fuck you. Fuck you. What the fuck were you thinking? Okay, they're awful. They are. But yeah. But I'm just being apolitical. Being apolitical is fine. That's that's your choice. I just couldn't date you. Yeah. But also, part of me feels like again, apolitical is almost it's apathy, isn't it? It's, it's again a your. Mm. Well, it's a privilege, and it, but it's also shitting on people who. Mm who are getting fucked over by our current politics. So mm. to me, no, I don't think, I, I, you know, I think you could have a great relationship and maybe you'll leave and the other ones remain and you, if you were able to debate about that in a yeah. healthy way. Yeah. But I, I think that some things are more than just your views. I think they're about fundamental morals yeah. and, and I think that so much about politics really is about like mm. I couldn't sit there and know that you didn't vote or that you did that you voted Tory mm. because I can see the impact that's had on real humans mm-hmm. and yeah. to me that's dire and if you've had mm. any part of that and you're not willing to go actually I think I fucked up here mm. um I I couldn't but if yeah. you're less political I mm. think that it yeah. doesn't really matter or mm. less religious or I think for me I've I've given it a go a couple of times like dating someone who has voted Tory especially because I kind of see it as like I'm still a young person I like you know maybe my views about things will change like I know that I believe very strongly about certain things that I've changed my mind on certain things so I try and have a bit of an open mind and I have tried a couple of times I will confess this confession here <laughs> in this church <laughs> that I um, have dated toys and what tends to happen is that things will die after the first couple of months because we will kind of like avoid politics a little bit but then they'll end up making a joke Mm. that Mm. shows why they're a Tory voter Mm. I think like the most recent one that sticks out in my mind was this guy who was really privileged you know sometimes you just want to date a rich guy because wouldn't it be nice if they're rich like then you don't have to worry about money so much and like you know they can treat you and all these things that we're told that we should want um but I think he ended up making a joke about Jeremy Kyle and about how when he was at uni, um, he... And I wasn't actually dating this guy, by the way. I was just, like, chatting to him. I, th- I saw him as a potential. <laughs> um, when he was at uni, um, he was always worried that, like, one of the girls who he had ran through oh. from the local estate would end up on Jeremy Kyle. Oh. And it was the fact that he used that term, ran through. And bear, oh. my, bear imagine a really posh guy saying that term. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and immediately i just i never i never spoke to him again Mm. like because you can't if you're from an estate you can make jokes about estates if you're posh you can't no. do but also that. men can yeah. never say they ran through anyone it was just like do you know what that term means because it's not like a it's not like a you know you can say like oh you fucked someone yeah. but like that also could have been like a romantic fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a loving fuck yeah. 
like making fuck yeah <laughs> if you say that a girl got ran through oh, there's yeah. no romance no, there no. and it's oh, just that's total using yeah, yeah exactly and... yeah exactly so it's like classist oh. sexist mm. Ugh, it was just so much horrendousness mm. and i just really felt that it like summed up and i was like oh that's why you're a toy voter yeah so. yeah i do i struggle because like if you think about okay everyone's dating to end up with someone in the future and mm. if your future partner doesn't believe in gay rights doesn't believe in marginalized identities having equity and policies that support them you know like the amount of parents who have killed children because they're disabled or because they're gay mm. it's disgusting and it's horrific and that comes from someone's sometimes religious and sometimes political views unfortunately yeah. mm-hmm. so is this someone whose views you would want reflected in your child or mm-hmm. reflected in people who are impressionable around you and I mean like if I was dating someone who was a massive Tory voter I could not introduce them to my friends with like a yeah. clear conscience I'd be waiting mm. for them to like be like okay where's the cameras this is yeah. clearly a joke you are trying to set <laughs> yeah. us up this is punk yeah. <laughs> I just I couldn't do it and it's that thing of you either view us living in a community where we all can help each other and support each other or you don't and you know in a country where there's 151 billionaires who evade tax and flee the pandemic on private jets and there's also asylum seekers who get 30 quid a week mm. and that's expected to cover everything mm. for them and like two pounds extra per child you just can't really not be political yeah. and I think in the past year everyone has realised the amount of politics that goes into our everyday lives. And, you know, you've got the um, the travel charges for under-18s. Yeah. Like, that massive issue, which is political, and all of these different things, and the access to work, and everything is unfortunately political because we live in a politicised society, and yeah. that's the structure that we are. So... I, I fully understand people who don't get politics because it's confusing and it's designed to be confusing so that we don't talk about it. So the status quo is upheld, mm. but it's that openness and willing to learn and be like, oh, okay, so this is what a marginal tax rate means. And oh, okay, so this is what austerity is. And this is why the food bank has this. And this is why knife crime has gone up because this, this, and this. And it's because of all of these reasons that come together. And it's like, we don't have a stop sign at the end of our street, but we need one. That's political, yeah. you know? And I think having that openness to discuss it is the the kind of thing. But where are these guys who agree with our politics, though? Because I meet so... I meet apolitical guys and I meet Tories. Mm. Like, where are the sexy, woke Labour supporters? Where oh, are they? Do you know, they? one of my biggest, best dating tips, it hasn't worked for me yet, but <laughs> I do think if you go to Jeremy Corbyn's comment section and oh. just look for people who you think are hot? I did this. I, I have hope. This I have said ago, this before. I yeah. <laughs> oh, this is how I'm going to meet my future husband in Jeremy Corbyn's right comment now. sections. I have done, done it before, here. and it's mainly women or people who don't have really great, like, like who have weird profile pictures, mm. but. He's in there. Mm. Uh, I just have to find him. Oh, or maybe yeah. I just need to scroll through all of Jeremy Corbyn's followers. Well, yeah, I'm going to go followers because, like, <laughs> if I'm thinking the kind of, like, I don't comment no, on Jeremy Corbyn's I, I page, don't. right? And so, like... Yeah. yeah, you want a guy who's a bit cooler than that, not mm. trying to, like, fangirl Jeremy exactly. too yeah. much. Uh, I try it. and hold mm. myself back a bit yeah. with my love for Jeremy. <laughs> 
but, but that comes back to the thing of like how you meet people go to volunteering go yeah. to yeah, like sign sure. up to your local MP's office and you know offer to do some volunteering work with them yeah. go to your food bank go to all of these places there are these places need your help and yeah. they need your support and you might meet people and there's a um there's a program called Good Gym which is they you you sign up and you might like this Chloe because it's all about fitness but you go oh, somewhere and you like you run to a location and then you do an act of service for someone that signed up for it whether it's a school that needs help clearing oh, something or so some elderly people that need to that move some furniture amazing. and you sign up and you go for this team run but you have and then, to run there I know oh, fuck that bad. <laughs> but no there's like different there's different levels of run so yeah. you can do like a, a one mile three mile I've whatever capable by the time I got there no I'm not doing what I came for but there's you know like 30 people People, so it's pretty light oh. work um, but you might meet nice people that yeah, way or there's definitely. like the um the cares family and they partner people up with uh lonely old people in your area and you know what you can definitely meet like woke hot guys that do stuff and to be fair they just don't go on social media yeah like you know what it's so true all the best guys that i've met recently are not on social media yeah. mm, not all of them but yeah, yeah. Or they just can't be fucked. Active. Yeah. yeah, unless they're an activist or something with a very high profile, guys just can't be fucked. With we social media. We need a Carla. We need Loki. Do either mm. of you follow Loki? No, I don't follow Loki. Oh, Loki's great. Loki okay. online. Um, again, like look through their followers. Yeah. Like who's following these guys who have the same? Maybe a Carla's comments would be a better, mm. yeah, a better hunting ground than Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's do it. We're going out for dinner, so let's see. We can all get our phones out and see if we can find. Someone in Carla's uh, comments. <laughs> so thank you. You know what? I think this is the podcast that has featured the most laughing out of oh, all nice. of them, apart from me and Steve Owen Sideman. I think. Um, normally they are they're comedians, quite, though, so I'll take that. Yeah. yeah, but normally they're my podcasts are a little bit like serious, mm. and mm. occasionally we might have a little chuckle. But today <laughs> I really feel like it's just been like three friends talking, mm. and I like yeah. that vibe on a podcast. So. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you for taking your time out and Thank coming here. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you for being patrons and for supporting me and enabling me to do this. I don't earn yeah. any money from the podcast. Yeah. Um, so all of my patrons are the people who are basically paying for every single mm. podcast and every caption and everything I do. And I really am so fucking grateful for you because it's, it's mega, really. Mm. You are my only fans. You're my, <laughs> yeah, basically. It's um, an honour to be your only fans. It yeah. definitely is. Especially because, you know, I've been following since, what, 20? You were right in the 50, beginning. Right mm. in the beginning. Right after the blog that was about, um, I think it was about sex work, actually. No, it wasn't. It was about, I'd gone out for a night out. So I went, where, did, where was it? It was that place opposite Hoxton Pony in um, Shoreditch and I'd gone out to watch AJ fight I think it was, or was, I was it? no I was already following you by that point I started following right after the the blog that was about a guy who uh, it was about like the sex work review website oh yeah you thought yeah but then I wrote about um, that's when we started talking was after the AJ we thing. started talking and then yeah. yeah and then we happened to have been in the same bar one yes. night yes. and I <laughs> wrote a caption about the fact that I'd been in this bar and it had made me really sad because there were all these women who were kind of it felt like men were just standing there in like jumpers and jeans mm, and girls yeah. were like half dressed sort of like twerking on them mm. and, and, and it, it 
me. It felt really. And it was me. <laughs> I know. It was really stark to me because I wasn't criticizing the women. No, you're I was right, kind though. of more 100%. like I was thinking more about the mentality and and the, yeah. and the, the way it was making me really sad. The way that women were behaving in order to get these men's attention. So I wrote this caption, and she she DM me. She was like, "Well, I was there actually, and I was really enjoying myself." <laughs> you know what I did? I had a great night. Like honestly, it was it was so good. But like I was at a different point and yeah. I, if I was in that same bar now I would be thinking exactly the same thing that you wrote in your caption mm. um, but yeah at the time I was just like oh this is fucking amazing mm, there's yeah. hot guys everywhere <laughs> yeah. they're all trying to grope me wow yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. Oh, how much uh, have I grown since yeah. then <laughs> we all have we all have massively mm, yeah. but anyway I love you both very much thank Likewise. you for being here you were amazing <laughs> guests and uh, I'll speak to you soon speak to you <laughs> bye, bye.